This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. We're Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, right? I've, I've, I've picked that up on yes. the gram. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> that 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 show is everything. I'm just I'm going to be honest, especially oh my as God. I get I, older. My next tattoo is literally I want a Mister Pointy tattoo, like the whole length of my <gasps> forearm. Oh, how that, fucking cool, right? Oh my that, God, I'm glad somebody finally gets it because everyone else is like, "You want a stick?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I want a stick." No, you don't understand. Like you guys, you don't understand. I remember running home from the bus stop because uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We, I got out of uh, junior high was right around the corner, and I got out, and I Buffy started at three, and then Angel came on at three thirty, and I was not gonna miss Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz. Like that was everything. And then as I get older, I realized there there's actually. Um, so much brilliance there about life and relationships and all, all of that, all of that stuff. It's just so it's, good. Oh, it's so good. And it's so smart. And honestly, my, so my, like my sick day or like I'm spiraling and need to come back to myself. I will just watch once more with feeling anytime, oh. anytime, always. And it, it works every time, every time. Oh man. Yeah. So good. <laughs> All I wanted was Spike's leather jacket. Like I remember oh begging for that. I went through this this whole like um I oh man, I was I was I wanted to I wanted to dress like Spike. I wanted to dye my hair blonde. I, I was I was super into like AFI and Hawthorne Heights and I went oh I, yeah, I went through this whole phase. <laughs> Phenomenal. Okay. Well, I feel like this is great. We've already started. We're in it. Welcome to Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. <laughs> um, we are talking today, friends, with an old friend of mine. We were talking before we started recording this, and Connor and I last saw each other in person when we were, I was in elementary school. Well, we were both in elementary school, but I was probably in third grade, maybe the last time I saw you in person. I think, yeah, that sounds right. So I'm very excited to talk to you as a grown adult. I hope our childhood friendship holds up. Um, I have no doubt. It's it's proving to be successful already. So we're going to go ahead and dive in and tell people who you are and why you're here. But first, let's talk about what you're drinking. I am drinking an old fashioned right now. Ooh, classy. Yeah, it was uh, it was my dad's. It is my dad's favorite drink, and uh, I don't know, like that that just that's something that kind of rubbed off on me. And uh, oh no, he's a he's a big hero of mine. So it always it, it always makes me think of him anytime I'm I'm feeling nervous or even like doubting myself. Um, it's amazing how we have kind of these abstract things that'll help kind of root us back into who we are and and where we come from. But that's that's a that's a big one for me. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Old fashioned with a side of, you know, depth and perspective. I know, yeah, I, I'm real extra. You, y'all are going to learn this about me. <laughs> uh, what about you, Shale? What do you got going on? So today I had my first day of an herbal apprenticeship that I am taking with, I think there's eight other beautiful ladies. And one of my absolute favorite teachers, Tanya Reikley, we'll be sure to um, pop her information in the show notes. But um, it was just a beautiful day that I'm still buzzing about, uh, talking about plant medicine and community and returning to our roots and radicalism and just all of the most beautiful things. And so it just felt weird to not drink a tea tonight <laughs> after <laughs> talking about herbs all day. And so I'm drinking one of my absolute favorite blends, like go to and I'm like, you know what, I need a good night's sleep. I need to just chill. I need to lean into some rest. And um, it comes from Happy Lucky's Tea House. It's it's a local tea house here in, in Colorado. The, in, is it in Fort Collins? It's not the tea house that was haunted that we went into, right? Yes, actually, yes. Um, is it really? It. Yeah, I, yeah, actually. 
Um, funny you brought that up. I totally forgot about that. I think I just kind of blocked it out. Um, that was the scariest one into. aside from the morgue. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever do the Fort Collins ghost tour, they will take you into um, Happy Lucky's tea house. Where wasn't that the room in the basement where the dude got like locked in there? It was like, yeah, it was, it, like a jail, right? Yeah, it was the old Pioneer Jail, and they locked us all in the solitary confinement cell. Mm. Um, and it was awful, but it smelled delicious. It was a very yes. weird feeling down there because <laughs> there was all this beautiful tea, and it smelled so good. And you're literally all—it's all just you know boxes and bags of tea stacked in these old jail cells. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So to uh, kind of counteract that image, I guess, <laughs> my <laughs> my tea blend is called Egyptian Dreams. And it has, I actually looked it up because I knew of a few of the things that were in here, but I was like, I need to give this the credit it deserves because it's just so freaking tasty and just uh, a hug in a cup. And it's called, uh, or it's it's called Egyptian Dreams. I said that, but it's got rooibos. Is that how you say it? Rooibos, I think. Is that how you say it? I think I've always said rubios, but I like to add extra syllables to that. See, but I get confused because it's spelled R-O-O-I-B-O-S. So it looks like rooibos. Oh, yeah. You were probably right there. The internet I don't know. Anyway, it's not the R thing in it. It's got vanilla, chamomile, rosebuds, petal, rosebuds and petals, lavender, raspberry leaf, organic clove, and organic cardamom, which you all know how I feel <laughs> about <laughs> cardamom. So <laughs> we're going to get bumper stickers made. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. So yeah, awesome. there's a lot in there. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's like the perfect balance of spicy and sweet and oh, so good. Anyway, what are you drinking? I have a lemon elderflower soda with frozen strawberries, mm -hmm. a half a squeezed lime, basil, and a little teeny tiny splash of vodka. Oh, I know. <laughs> my reaction too. Where, <laughs> have you over two, here. <laughs> where have you two been? I've been hanging out with all the wrong people. You're hanging out <laughs> with the wrong people. You got to hang out with more witches. Absolutely. You make really good cocktails. Um, it's actually the soda that's in here. The lemon elderflower soda is just a Trader Joe's soda. Oh. So everyone can go get it themselves. It's really good. And with this time of year where flu and other nasty things um, are more prevalent outside of a COVID year, of course, elder is just so good for the immune system. So go hit that up. Yeah, it was funny. Brandon saw the the little package in the fridge and he goes, oh, is that like healthy soda? And I was like, sure, we'll call it healthy soda. <laughs> healthy for the soul. Healthy for the yeah. soul. We're all about healthy that. Healthy for here. the soul and the immune system. Well, old fashions are good for your immune system too. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get carried away, which as you know, we are wont to do. Today we are joined by Connor Padilla, who is a life coach, an actor, and a fitness instructor, which is a triple threat we are just going to dive right into. Um, yeah, Connor, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? How do all of these things kind of come together and create the person that is here chatting with us today? Yeah, so um, my, like you said, my name's Connor Padilla. I was originally born um, in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, my entire mom's side of the family were actors um, involved in, in theater in some way, whether they were uh, theater educators, directors. Uh, a, a lot of people, <laughs> the, the, the running joke is a lot of people find their way into theater uh, because they're the black sheep of the family. And for me, it was kind of the family business. But along with that, uh, both of my parents worked for the Forest Service. They were uh, uh, the United out. States Forest Service. Yeah, yeah. so they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're big into. Um, so I was raised uh, in these really kind of small, the, these 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 kind of small mountain villages and in, in national forests. Uh, yes. Yeah, so okay, now I see why you and Cheyenne connected. Got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So Forest Service families on all three of us. All three of us. Oh, you are kidding me. No, no. Jail and I met in high school um, when her mom, her mom was the new ranger. 
on the the accompanying or the adjacent district to my dad's and that's how shale and i met wild that is so you have no idea gang like i tell people are like oh what did your parents do and i say the forest service and people look at me like i'm I'm speaking greek so like this is like the first time i've ever like like i've been talking to people that are that are versed in this yes i'm excited Oh man. Yeah. So the, uh, the forest service, big outdoors and along with that, uh, cousins who were actors. So already, um, growing up, I, I, I wasn't afraid of, of things that didn't necessarily on, on the surface seem to go together. Um, I, I was all about kind of weird mismatched pairs. Um, my, my family, Cheyenne's met my, my mom and dad kind of very, eclectic uh can can be kind of eccentric uh you know so other kids would go to or I, I don't know like um uh, my friends would go to like hawaii or whatever for for summer vacations or whatever and my parents would take me to you know civil war battlefields or national parks or kind of the, these places rooted in in history and and story and so that that became a big part of my my upbringing so I decided to, uh, we eventually moved back to Utah. I w- lived in Idaho City, uh, Idaho, Custer, South Dakota, a little time in Wyoming, and then eventually landed in uh, Utah, where I um, eventually went and got my undergrad in musical theater. That took me to uh, grad school to get an MFA in classical acting in, uh, I think I said South Florida, and eventually uh, moved up to Washington, D.C., which is kind of this perfect combination of uh, theater history. You know, it seemed like it was it was always this perfect place of kind of intersection of everything that I wanted. It's got a great theater scene, third biggest theater scene in the in the nation. Um, And that is where kind of searching for a for a day job, (laughs) um, a muggle job, (laughs) as I like to call it, I ran into this company uh, called Bar Three. You know, I'd been working retail, uh, and then I ran into this company uh, called Bar Three uh, Studio Boutique Workout that I started. Uh, I just started taking as a as a client, as a because I, I kind of liked the workout. I had I'd played football in in high school, and I'd uh, uh, developed some lower back injuries and some knee injuries, and uh, I had a lot of frustration and pain around that. Um, it kind of got trapped in a very um in a cycle of believing you know no pain no gain and and trying to just ignore and muscle what i like to call white knuckling through through pain and it, it fell into some really destructive uh mental patterns um and bar 3 was this uh beautiful place where uh it was all about low impact it was about stripping away kind of the um for lack of a better term toxic masculine structure we have i think sometimes around fitness uh stripped all of that away and just got back to you know moving your body in a in a productive healthy way um good for the soul good for the mind good for the body and it it completely shifted my mentality about what fitness could be um and i eventually became a became an instructor there and then you know doing theater doing bar 3 in dc uh and then along came covid and, you know, all, all fitness studios shut down, all theater shuts down. And I had this moment of like, I, we, I, we can talk about it a, a little later, but uh, fell into this scarcity mindset of um, a lot of insecurity. Who am I? What am I doing? I, I mean, I, we all experience this. All, all of a sudden, you know, our, our rise and grind, go, go, go culture kind of came to a screeching halt and all we were doing was alone in our houses or our apartments and all we had time to do was think and think about who we are and the choices we'd made and um i ran into uh this this podcast called the life coach school and it really wasn't i don't remember it being super dramatic in the moment it was it was more of a holy cow this reaffirms everything i i know to be true that i've learned about in theater and in fitness and building people up and and mindset and it was the first methodology of life coach of life coaching or or self-development that i heard that wasn't about ideology per se it was really about mind management 
It was about um, emotional adulthood, uh, uh, self-ownership, and that, you know, uh, we're all a lot more powerful than we than we think we are. And I got really excited. I I was terrified when I took that plunge to to get certified and start uh, getting coached myself. And it has uh, it's been uh, really life changing, completely opened up uh, a lot of avenues, a lot of relationships and, and a side of me that I think I was always afraid of or ashamed of. All of a sudden, those those blockages kind of drop away and, and you realize, wow, those were all just kind of thoughts, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that was a very kind of like long rambly <laughs> diatribe of, of my, of, of my life in a nutshell, but yeah, that's kind of what, what is, uh, what's led me here. No, that's really, um, that's really cool. And I think a lot of us and Shale and I too, we were, you and I were talking about this podcast being born of COVID before we started recording today too. And it's, um, it's remarkable what, what we're capable of when we have some time away from our distractions to actually just sit in our own brains and talk to the people who, who we're around all the time, who we are maybe not paying as much attention to. Um, and that includes ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I yes. think one of the most beautiful things that has come out of COVID that I think I'll always be really, really grateful for is the fact that I don't think our society and the way it was going would have ever had this opportunity to slow down unless we were forced to in the way we were. Um, and as sad as that's kind of, I guess, to realize it is really beautiful because I feel like, I feel like that's where we're going to see a cultural shift and, and maybe I'm being obnoxiously optimistic. I tend to do that, but, um, I really do think change will come out of this where we realize that, the way we were over exhausting ourselves was not beneficial in, in, in any way. And um, it just makes me think of that poem that that was really circulating around at the beginning of the year when COVID really started becoming a thing and lockdown was really a thing about where they say, and they rested, you know, and, and about yeah. becoming present. And I think it's funny that at first everyone thought it was a poem that had come out of the um, Spanish flu, but it's like, no, it was someone who, it was a retired school teacher that wrote it this year, living this in the moment. And while it would be cool that it came from earlier on in the early 1900s and was relevant to this time, I think that's what makes it even better is the fact that it was somebody reflecting on this present moment and acknowledging that early on this silver lining that the rest of us were just kind of so focused on, Oh my gosh, the world's in chaos. What are we going to do? You know, but she was like, well, this is really an opportunity to see where we want to go from here. And I think that's really beautiful. And the fact that we were able to hold on to that as we move deeper into this whole new environment that we were not used to. <laughs> oh, so true. So true. I, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I feel like I'm in a much better place to, to both see that perspective and to even have this conversation today just about, you know, that abundance mindset about, you know, finding your silver linings amidst all of the chaos. Um, I feel like it's taken me this whole entire year to get to a point where I'm open enough to have this conversation, <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really happy to be here um, and to be talking about this and to and to be kind of turning that page of, you know, 2020, we were we were doing all of that shadow work, we were looking at ourselves in the mirror and being like, Oh, okay, this, this is, you know, where I'm falling short, this is where I can be better. And, and now we're kind of at that stage of enacting. And it's just, it's nice to it's, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. It's nice to kind of <laughs> look back on the year through those rose colored glasses a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. Um, uh, the first thing we're we're learned, and it's possibly the most powerful thing. I think that one of the most powerful tools in in life coaching, which is separating circumstance from narrative, is what we call it. At, or, or in uh, in other words, taking the the facts, the the circumstantial facts of of a, of a situation, whether it's a relationship or what's going on in the world. Um, and then underneath that is the story we were telling ourselves about it or the or the the narrative that we are are telling ourselves or telling others ab about the circumstance. And th that's not wrong. A, a big thing we always say is 
thought you don't need permission to think a thought and feelings are not problems to be fixed but the these mm. thoughts are often are are what are causing our feelings and 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 causing our mindset and it, it's amazing when you when you start kind of unpacking a, a situation when you are looking in the mirror and realizing wait these things that i just took as truth about myself they're really just a story and I get to decide whether that story is serving me or not. I can I can I can look at a, a series of events and say, okay, um, th- this is the story. Uh, this I'm I'm not masculine enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm a, I'm a disappointment to um, my parents. Or I can look at that situation and say, man, I have I have come into myself so amazingly. I may not be the idea or a societal expectation of what we have defined as masculine, but I have found a security and an energy within myself that, that I'm finally standing on my own two feet. And all of a sudden, just that shift in mentality completely changes the model or the, um, our, our, our feelings, actions, and, and results that we're manifesting into the world. And, and what the, the, what's so cool about that is, and the good news about all of that is that all comes from you, right? Like the, we are, we are so powerful and the wild thing is we're constantly trying to, to surrender our power or give away our power over our autonomic selves or our, our emotional selves, um, our actions when, the good news is you are you are in complete control and you are so powerful and the story you you decide and choose to tell yourself is so powerful hell yes i love that oh my god i have to stop saying i love that after <laughs> i need a different catchphrase but i do you should tell people when you love them and their ideas so never mind it's important <laughs> i appreciate that oh i had a thought and i lost it but that's okay just are we all good yeah story of my life so you guys, <laughs> okay. I have my little tea thing and I got this little tea diffuser and it looks like a little sloth and it's the cutest thing in the world because he like looks like he's just like enjoying a hot tub time. <laughs> it makes me so happy. That's so cute. <laughs> oh man. It's the little things, gang. It's it is. Oh, oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. I remembered what I wanted to say to you. I just want to express a little bit of gratitude to you because something Shale and I have been holding each other accountable for this year, well, and last year in general, is using the phrase guys to refer to a group of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to steal gang. Because it feels so natural and cute and like charming. Like I've yeah, it feels tried different things. I love it. Yeah. I've tried different things at work, like folks or friends friends feels like a little overkill if you're not actually my friend fair uh, enough <laughs> fair enough just with like people walking all, in but the it sounds store. so mundane when you say you all yeah and and i don't quite have the accent to pull off y'all in like a sincere context right so. same i i got anyway, f- i just wanted to yeah no i a funny story around a gang it was actually born out of a, a moment of <laughs> not not to go down this rabbit hole but immense shame i was um i had a a fellow i was in a show with a fellow actor and they 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 preferred to go by um they they had uh been born and and been recognized by uh, a gender they no longer um went by i i made a mistake and i i referred to them by the wrong gender and they they corrected me and i felt such massive shame and embarrassment over it and out of it was born this kind of that i remember uh, in the moment feeling so defensive about it uh very reactionary about it and uh i kind of went home and and um you know got over it uh moved on but i i look back on that as a as a, a perfect example of how um i had a thought 
that generated a, a feeling of shame. And that shame uh, caused a, a reaction of, of defense. And for me to what I like to call get out my, my porcupine needles. I <laughs> love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's a perfect example of how what that person correcting me was what we refer to as a circumstance. It, it is it, it, uh, what other people say and what other people do are a, are a circumstance, but how I was choosing to think about that moment caused uh, immense shame. And, and that was that I was generating that I was generating the defensiveness and shame and telling myself this story about what was happening. And that's not what was happening at all. That wasn't true at all. And that, that's why I think uh, what really got me interested in this work is, is I, I know I have a tendency and I, I think a lot of people in our society and in the world have a tendency that if we to, to, to get very reactionary and if we could pause and realize, wait a minute, I'm having a thought that's generating shame and nothing positive and productive ever came from a place of shame. So if I can stop and breathe and realize this is a narrative I'm telling myself. Uh, what what is what could be going on from this other person's perspective? What could be going on with them? All of a sudden, you, you, it's a shift in mentality, and you're like, wait a minute, I don't I don't have to choose to feel shame. I can take this as a as a learning moment, and I can grow from it. And it and all of a sudden, all the drama is gone, and you realize I was creating the drama. What? <laughs> I love I love the image of the porcupine quills because it's like such a perfect way to describe that super defensive feeling you get. I'm going to use that as a mantra going forward. I'm stealing that. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Please do. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's great. Those porcupine needles are sharp, and they are they're they they can be extremely limiting. Yeah. <sighs> Just. Blowing minds all over the place. <laughs> all right. So are we going to jump into the what we were talking about before? Yeah, didn't mean uh, to derail yeah. us. Sorry, gang. No, <laughs> I was just thinking, I, I'm like, uh, Cheyenne needs to just back record that question and then just plug that answer in somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I I, think I have an idea of how to edit that and keep that all in. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. Awesome. Sometimes conversations just happen magically and you have to let that on that authenticity shine. Absolutely. So people appreciate that. Um, but yeah, Shale, if you want to, we can, we can dive into what, what kind of enacting that actually looks like in real life. Um, you know, how you, how does one start to change that mindset? I guess. That's what like your, exactly my question. Any, Okay. Perfect. Cool. Love Sorry for stealing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, I just want to kind of go back to um, talking about this practice of manifestation and, and shifting your mindset and just thinking about it from a perspective of that's something that takes practice, right? It, it's not something we develop overnight. And I know that it can be something that almost feels daunting or maybe even unapproachable there's so many of us that deal with things like anxiety or, or even maybe even coming from roots of trauma. And so, so sometimes that mindset might be, might be really difficult to come into, not necessarily for the fault of anyone, but what advice do you have for somebody who wants to start a more positive practice or, or start shifting their mindset when they're, they're coming up against um, roots of that kind, if that makes sense? It makes total sense. There, it's there are. I think there are a couple of of layers there. Uh, the first thing um, I like to tell you know the clients that I have, and 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 a and a big thing at at the life coach school that we like to drive home is there is nothing wrong with you. And we like to say that because everything that that is going on in your mind, everything that is going on in in your body is human. You are a human being. Our brain is this really, if you think about it, this, this incredible, layered, nuanced, powerful, uh, I, I, dare I say magical, like organism, right? It's, and it developed, different parts of it developed at different times. So we have this back brain, right? 
that is uh, that that how uh, we refer to our animal brain. And that animal brain is, you know, all about uh, has has three main goals, right? Uh, Seek pleasure, avoid pain, uh, be as efficient as possible. And for the majority of human existence and our survival, those have been the three driving forces of our of our existence. We now live in a in a society and and as we've evolved, we have this uh, it's called the prefrontal cortex, this front part of our brain that is the the reasoning part, the the newest part of our brain and sometimes your back brain and your front brain are are doing totally different contradictory things. So the first thing I like to drive home is, listen, feelings are not problems to be fixed. If you're feeling anxiety um, from from thoughts about past trauma or anything, the the worst thing you could do is, is judge that or feel shame about that. There is nothing wrong with you. There, it, you're, you are human and your, your mind, that back part of your brain or, or whatever's going on, your, your, your mind and your body are just trying to protect itself. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. The way our, our, our different parts of ourselves will, will, will try and protect us. Um, so the first thing that you do is get, get I, like, I like the word curious because it's a very non-judgmental, kind of very open word for me. Um, but just getting curious about yourself, like, huh, why, why do I feel that? Why is that the pattern that I'm in? And, and get curious about it. Uh, the second thing that we always want to do when we, we make the decision to kind of change our mindset, manifest something different, change the story we're telling is we want to we want to do that really fast, right? We live in a society of instant gratification where, where everything is supposed to happen immediately and right now, and I'm supposed to lose 50 pounds in six weeks and, and, and all like, like change, change, change your life in 12 weeks. There, there's all of this inundation <laughs> on, on social media and all of this stuff. You're not a product. Mm. You like, mm. yeah, you, you as a human being are not a, I'm I'm going to be offering some of my own thoughts, right? Like what I'm saying is not circumstantial fact. I think there's a lot of reasons in our current society we we developed this mentality, uh, this uh, this idea that our value is based on productivity and that our that yeah the value is based on what we produce that we're a product. And I think it's important to remember that is not true. <laughs> that that in itself is a thought and a belief. You have infinite value regardless of what you quote unquote produce. So the, the idea that uh, you, you, you have value, you, th- there, there is no rush to do this. We always want to rush immediately to the, to the new thing. I always encourage just allow, just the, one of the most powerful things you can do is just be where you are. Like live in that, in that unintentional model and, and allow feelings um a, a a huge a huge component of this is we in our society are really not taught to feel feelings yeah we're taught to resist feelings react to feelings or avoid feelings but very rarely do we does anybody ever teach us to um feel just sit there and feel a feeling especially um, especially male identifying folks. Uh, I think it's, it's a, there are, there are issues uh, across the board. I, I talked to like realizing this in myself when exactly what you were just talking about, when you make a decision to, to change your mentality. And, and one of the first questions we ask is um, what are your top three feelings on a daily basis? Oh, And it's like, figure out like the top three feelings you feel the majority of your day the, the majority of the week, the majority of the month, the majority of your life up to this point, the, like the top three feelings, what, what would they be? And as I was doing this work, I kind of had to stop and realized I kind of had a non-existent relationship with feelings, which was a little alarming because I was like, wait, I'm an actor. It's my job to feel feelings. I feel feelings all the time. And <laughs> realizing I was like, wait a minute. I, when I'm playing a character, I'm I am um, embodying somebody else. 
have I ever sat down and processed these feelings. And what I realized the top feeling that I was feeling uh, was anger. That is the, the top feeling that I, I had felt throughout my life, which was very jarring, was kind of this bottled up frustration and this anger and, and realizing it, it wasn't really anger. I, I had, I have a lot of fear, a lot of fear in my life, fear that I'm, I'm disappointing people, fear that I'm not living up to a, to a, an arbitrary expectation or, or what I've now come to realize was an arbitrary expectation, fear of um, not being enough, fear of not being worthy. And my reaction to that uh, the the reactionary feeling was was anger and frustration, and so in that moment you can feel a lot of shame. You can react like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to immediately change. But if you just allow yourself to sit there and be in process and go, okay, just knowing that. So how am I? And and then and then acknowledging how I'm showing up moment to moment in my life, and and not trying to change anything, right? Like all of a sudden you're having a you're, you're in an argument with your spouse or your, your, some kind of conflict shows up just being you, but also having that front brain going on, like, how am I showing up in this conversation? Why am I showing up that way in this conversation? Why am I so easily getting frustrated? It's fine, but let's, let's unpack that. Is that how I want to show up? Um, what results do I want to produce? That was a very long answer to that question, but did that kind no. of drive it home? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, for sure. Uh, and I think that's, um, oh, I had a, I had a, no, I feel like, we, I feel like I'm like, I need <laughs> 10 minutes to just process. <laughs> I know I've, I've have a little notebook and I keep actually taking notes as we're doing this too. Um, there's a strong likelihood I'll be hiring you soon. Um. <laughs> hey, it is uh, processing is kind of this word that we've long thrown around, but it's actually the most important thing you can do. I always tell um, people when they when they realize this, don't. It's amazing how we have this 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 impulse to do something immediately. That, that's yeah. like like yeah. j- you you have so much in your life. We have. I think it's 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. It is okay to give yourself space and grace to un- unpack and, and, and process what's gone on. I, I think sometimes we also feel a, a pressure to react or respond immediately to something. Or, um, you know, uh, the, the way this, this often shows up is when we're in arguments with significant others or with, with siblings, some, some kind of relationship-based argument. And it, I often find it is okay to be like, listen, I just, I actually just need some space to kind of process how, what I actually think about this, what's a reaction and what I actually believe about the situation. Yeah. I, um, it's something, it's funny when, um, when my partner and I have those kind of confrontations that get to that point of we're just both talking over each other and nobody's actually paying attention, we actually realized very early on in our relationship, just because of both of our personalities, that we process conflict better if we separate ourselves and then we write to each other. Like whether that's in text form or like letter form, texting is actually really helpful because we both actually read everything. And we're both big talkers. We're both big personalities. We both kind of have that bull in the china shop um, have to win every conversation vibe when it, when the stakes get high. So just getting away from each other, like physically away and writing down our feelings makes things a, we actually pay attention. We read everything that the other person is saying, and we're able to process that kind of together. Um, but it takes that, um, kind of that physicality of the drama um, which is not something I react to very well. I'm not a loud noises person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can tend to shut down really quickly just if things start to feel like chaotic and overwhelming. So just that separation has been um, really helpful for us in our relationship. And it's something I've just, you know, shared with 
with friends as they've had their own conflicts is something that, you know, that's worked really well for us as far as, um, as actually like paying attention to what your partner is doing. But um, our listeners will know too. I also made him a, uh, we have a feeling. Do you really? How did I not know that? Uh, (laughs) I made it for him. I actually just watched that episode of new girl like last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it, it's super helpful. It's like something that's just like that simple and tangible that like it takes you out of that pressure of the moment of all of that heat. And it allows you to like connect again to that front part of your brain and be like, oh, okay, it's my turn to listen. Um, so I appreciate all of that insight, I think. And hopefully that's helpful for people in some form or another. I love that. I love that. The feeling stick. I had actually never heard of that before. Okay, you know what's really funny about the feeling stick, though? I was so proud of myself, y'all. I, he, <laughs> he was having this weird day at work, was having a conflict with somebody, and we, I made some, like, offhand snide comment, not really thinking, and it wasn't, like, intentional about him. It was kind of just that I also had a long day and did one of those, like, my day was hard, too, kind of things. And I don't even think he heard me. And he actually left. He like went downstairs, got his keys and left. And I was like, oh God, wait, what just happened? Like, are we having a fight? And I missed it. And he literally had told me he was like on his way to the post office or whatever. Like he had to go drop a package off and I'd forgotten. Mm. (laughs) But the whole time he was gone, I was sitting with myself and I was like, okay, how are you going to handle this? Like what's going on? So in my head, I'm thinking we're in conflict. He didn't even hear what I said. So had no, like he thought our conversation was over. He was doing a chore. Um, and he came home and I had the feeling stick and I was ready. And he was like, what's going on? And I was like, wait, well, we need to like finish this conversation. We have to have this fight. And he was like, oh, I didn't realize we were having one. Um, so that was the most productive feeling stick, like conflict resolution I've had to date. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's a perfect example of circumstance versus, versus story. You know, the, the story you were telling yourself versus what was actually going on or, or the, the actual facts of the of the situation. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a beautiful thing to 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 separate uh, story from fact and 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 realize that, wow, so so much of our life and, and the, the conflict created in our life is rooted in, um, in in just in a story we're telling ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I just love the image of him coming home um, and you sitting on the couch with the feeling stick, like ready to take on this confrontation. <laughs> he was so confused and I was so proud of myself. I was like, this is the best <laughs> fight we've ever had. <laughs> um, okay, this could very easily turn into a week-long conversation. I know. I feel I'm like the worst. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, It's amazing. And I I feel like there are kind of two things I want to touch on before we release you back to your evening. And and I'll start with the first, which is something you mentioned earlier. It's something you mentioned on your Instagram a lot. Let's um, kind of unpack the term emotional adulthood. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Emotional adulthood uh, is a term that came from uh, Brooke Castillo, who founded the, the Life Coach School. And kind of the very simplest in a nutshell definition of emotional adulthood is emotional adulthood is I take full ownership over my thoughts, feelings, and actions. I am completely responsible for my, for my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, and the results those three things create. Uh, we grow up and we all become adults. But the majority of, and, and this, I, I truly believe this is the world, the majority of, of the world operates in th- its opposite, which is emotional childhood, which is other people or things are responsible or ca- cause or are responsible for my thoughts, feelings, and actions. It, it's that, you know, age old <laughs> um, saying that we're all, tired of hearing which is um you know like you we were on the playground and we ran up to the teacher and the we said to the teacher they made me feel sad and the teacher looks at us in that 
annoying way and says, you know, uh, she, nobody can make you feel anything. And I think we get uh, frustrated for, for completely understandable reasons about that response. But ultimately, it's kind of true. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's, it's the practice that um, other people's actions or other or circumstances that happen in the world don't cause our feelings. We have a thought about those people, what they said, what they did, uh, circumstances in the world, that thought creates a feeling. Our thought creates the feeling that we have. And that feeling drives um, what we ultimately do or don't do. This is not wrong, right? You don't need permission to think a thought. And it's not about changing a thought. It's not about only making sure you think in a certain way. It is, it's simply about knowing that your thoughts are yours, your feelings are yours, and you choose them and you mm-hmm. get to choose them. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's, that's kind of emotional adulthood in, in a nutshell. I, I kind of thought, I was thinking a lot about emotional adulthood as I kind of watched the events unfold um, this, I, I, it's been a week or a, a little over a week, um, in Washington, DC, uh, at the Capitol. And I was, I was watching this happen and I was watching interviewers uh, kind of talk to some of these, um, some of these individuals, uh, that, that were present there, maybe not necessarily a part of the riots, but there. And I, I kept hearing, um, phrases like, uh, they, they made me feel displaced or, you know, my, I, I don't have a choice in my actions. It's their fault. And all of a sudden that, that idea of, of emotional childhood, this belief that other people are responsible for your actions was, uh, driven home. Um, and the answer to it is emotional adulthood, which is regardless of what other people choose to do or what other, uh, what happens in the world, I have full control over my choices. Um, I have to own my choices and I get to, and that's the beautiful thing. And that, that's, that's where the power and freedom is, right? Is, um, you have freedom to choose and, and you, uh, can do as an adult whatever you want. You're not insulated, though, from consequence, right? You are not insulated from, uh, the, with that power comes comes immense responsibility. And I think, I, 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 I'm not sure, but a, a running theory I have why we, I think, prefer on a subconscious level to live an emotional childhood is while it gives our power away, it also frees us. We think it frees us of responsibility, um, mm-hmm. we, we do things. It's funny. Yeah. That's very, sorry, not to interrupt you, but that's very similar to the conversation we were having in our last episode about, um, the term in the craft community, baby, witch, which kind of a- absolves you from your, it, it prevents you from, from diving in and really owning your power and doing your research and paying attention to people or cultures that you may be appropriating or hurting. So I, I like that comparison and I just wanted to touch on that again yeah oh that that's such a great i never heard of that but see i i learned so i'm learning so much tonight um the <laughs> seriously i need to start hanging out with you two more the, yes uh, <laughs> please yeah this idea of uh, uh the 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 evil the evil stepsister <laughs> the evil stepsister <laughs> of emotional childhood is this term called a man uh manuals and manuals are this belief that uh, basically it is what it sounds like. We, we each, without w- whether we realize it or not, kind of write out uh, a manual or a, or a set of rules about how other people should behave and what other people should or shouldn't do. And um, our, our, our beliefs or, and the, the worst part of this is manipulating and trying to control other people by using terms like, that, that's great. Like other terms like baby witch or, um, <laughs> or my, my favorite, we, we've kind of touched base on this in writing. Um, 
I, I believe toxic positivity is born of, you know, emotional childhood and, and this, this stepsister, which is, uh, which is the, the manual, which is this, uh, this need to control or, or um, I've, I've heard the term tone police other people. Um, and I often find this correlation of the people in the world that have the strictest manuals or the most manuals. There's a correlation. Uh, th- those are the people that tend to be the most unhappy <laughs> in their in their life because ultimately, you can never control another person's autonomy. We we have a term. You can't have other people in your result line because you ultimately can't control their actions and their model. And oftentimes, I find it's a it's really a boundary violation to try and and control and manipulate others like that. So this this belief that that other people should only be positive comes from this idea that oh conflict and discomfort uh that that should never happen right like everything should just be positive and sunshine and rainbows all the time i should never be uncomfortable other people shouldn't make me uncomfortable without realizing they're not making you uncomfortable your thoughts are making you uncomfortable but uh (laughs) it's it's this it's these two insidious words um should and shouldn't that I think cause a lot of frustration and anger and pain and a lot of, a lot of needless drama. Uh, you get to show up exactly as you want to show up. Other people's thoughts and feelings are not your responsibility. But the flip side of that is other people cannot make you feel or think a certain way. Now, oftentimes I introduce this concept and, and I, I remember when this was introduced to me, I thought, well, then what stops people from just acting like assholes all the time? <laughs> and what we find is the opposite is true. When people start taking ownership and taking control of their power and their responsibility, people often don't show up like assholes. All of a sudden people, a lot of the the drama and the the anger and the bile, it, it, it drops away and people, I, I think <laughs> you, you talked about showing up as a, as a, as a cockeyed optimist. I'm, I'm the same <laughs> way. I, I really do believe the majority of human beings w- want to take care of each other. We we're a tribal animal. We are the most social animal. We, we want to take care of each other. Ultimately, I think our front brain, when we're when we're living in our truest self, we want to show up in a way that does not do harm. We want to show up and be the best version of ourselves. And I think for a lot of people, the best version of themselves is somebody that is kind to others and lifts others up and and uh, takes we take care of each other. It's when we get into that scarcity mindset and emotional childhood and living in those manuals, we can just become absolute monsters, you know? I'm so glad you said all of this because that was something I wanted to ask you about because I noticed that you were very intentional in not using terms like think positive and um, just just be positive (laughs) because that's not always realistic, right? Like we, we go through really hard times and Yes, I think folks should try to make an effort to, um, to to maybe express gratitude for the things that are going well or or try to see the positive. But to have that mindset of you can only think positive and you can't acknowledge what might be going wrong in your life, I don't think it's beneficial. And, and kind of going back to the baby witch comment too, um, what I think happens too is, is we we, we stop doing the, the healing work, right? Like if, if we're not willing to acknowledge where kind of those dark areas are, or maybe where we need to do the shadow work, how, how can we ever get to a positive mindset? Because we're not solving the root of the problem. We're just literally putting a bandaid. We're solving the symptom of something that we're seeing, but we're not solving the whole picture. Right. So I just wanted to express a lot of gratitude and, and say, thank you for, for bringing up this conversation, because especially in a spiritual community, um, like the one that we're we're wanting to be a part of and, and wanting to build here, um, that that can come up and it can actually be not beneficial in a way. Um, so I, I'm 
I'm glad we're having this discussion. Thank you so much for that that comment because it it, it brings up a, a, another point that I really wanted to make is something that I think we forget and it's it's why um, I think not to not to deride other people because I I do I do understand on a fundamental level where this I this this be positive mindset comes from sure but um it it can be I think in, incredibly limiting point I want it I always want to drive home uh, as as I something that kept ringing eternal and I had a I had a lot of conflict about it in my life something that I noticed in theater or fitness or my own life and then ultimately life coaching. And then we had a whole chapter on it and my mind was blown. I think I actually, I may or may not have started crying, but the, (laughs) this, this idea that uh, I was like, wow, this thought kept coming up. The majority of life is conflict. The majority of life is, is in this struggle. And I didn't want that to be true because I had this thought, and I think a lot of people have this thought that majority of your life is supposed to be comfortable and easy and conflict free. And all of a sudden, there is this. There's there's Brooke on in this chapter. I'm I'm a module that I'm watching, and she uh, they they there was this big study that was done with uh, Buddhist monks that are very. Um, that are very, you know, mindful and kind of embodying a lot of this mindfulness work, right? Like the kind of life coaching embodied where everything's very front brain and there's a lot of allowing and, and eliminating excess and eliminating um, like uh, needless drama, right? All, all of these things in this practice. And they found that even with the, the most enlightened mindful individuals, they still feel negative emotion about 50% of the time that your life is, is going to be uh, roughly 50% negative. It and this... that uh, dare to lead Brene Brown. Um, I remember she was talking about like having an experience where she was trying to train for a, a race or something. And one of her army friends told her like, embrace the suck. <laughs> oh Yeah embrace the suck yes that this idea that anything that if you think about the things that are truly fulfilling in your life the things that that uh that give you a a sense of fulfillment um they they kind of feel objectively awful (laughs) a a lot of the time right there yeah about theater and acting it's late nights. It's struggle. I'm tired. I get cranky. Um, I get sore. I'm, I'm trying to nail down this character or, or when I'm, I'm doing this own work for life co- or I'm, I'm training something, I'm, I'm in a workout and there is a whole lot of what I like to refer to as positive struggle, but there's all this struggle and I'm sweating and my, my, my ass is on fire and my, <laughs> my biceps are burning and, and, or with life coach schools, I'm doing unpacking, you know, some, some rather uncomfortable beliefs or thoughts. It's very vulnerable. Again, vulnerability feels like, let's be honest, vulnerability does not feel good. Like vulnerability (laughs) does not feel positive, but it is in those moments, what we refer to as the river of misery. When you are willing to get into the river of misery, everything you want is on the other side of that river. And I think we need to remember and acknowledge that, wait, yeah, happiness and joy and love and pleasure and sensuality and all of these things are, are a part of the human condition. But so is trauma and, and frustration and anger and anxiety and, and, and sadness and loss. The goal is not to never feel badly. The goal is to feel everything to feel the spectrum of human emotion because that's i i think that's where fulfillment and freedom and power lies is in your ability to feel to to be a human on every end of the spectrum and to know you're powerful in all of it yes ah wow that's mostly the only word i have for you (laughs) i i'm glad you brought up vulnerability because I was actually just, you know, 
messaging Cheyenne behind the scenes here and just being like, I wanted to take a moment to express gratitude to you, Connor, for coming on here and, and expressing your own vulnerability um, and, and sharing your story with us because it's not easy to do. Even if you are a life coach, it's not always easy to do. And um, I just, I really want to say thank you for that. And thank you for being willing to share with us and um, encourage others to do the same. Oh, I appreciate that gang. And, and to anybody listening um, who might be feeling fear about something or, um, vulnerability and authenticity um, are not something that are exactly rewarded in our society. And I am well aware of that, but I, I want, I I just want to offer this to anybody that's listening that when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and authentic, I I know that is scary. It is okay to be scared. That is where your power lies. I I have this this uh, this this concept when I'm I'm in a fitness class. I always loved this idea of a phoenix, right? That you know it it gets burned out. Sometimes the phoenix gets burned and it falls to the ashes and it fails. And everybody's like, "Wow, that's that thing that was anticlimactic. That's done." But then this flaming ass bird comes out of the ashes <laughs> and is is bigger and brighter and burning. Um, like engulfed and, and people like literally f- like in, in, in these, these mythic stories, people would fall on their knees in absolute awe of this flaming, authentic, vulnerably powerful bird. And I, I always want to say we're taught to wear a lot of armor in our society. We're taught to wear a lot of masks. One of the most, and I know it is scary, but one of the most powerful things you can do is take the armor off, is to take the mask off because underneath it is fire. Underneath it is a is a is a bright radiating energy, and th- that is what we need. But when yes. you're willing to do that, we are not only are you living into the best version of yourself. We all benefit from that, even if we don't realize it in the moment. <laughs> That's phenomenal, and honestly, I think a really powerful note to kind of wrap this conversation up on. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I've loved all of this. It has been so lovely to reconnect with you and to get to share your wisdom with our listeners. I think people are really going to vibe with this episode and with you. And I'm just, I'm just overflowing over here. Um, I don't think I've stopped grinning and I've definitely broken out into random dances multiple times. (laughs) And chills. Oh, like, good. I just, yeah, I feel like we all, we all need this kind of reminder. I feel like we're all kind of in this zone right now in life, in the time of year, in the space we're in culturally. Um, I'm just so grateful for you coming on and, and sharing your knowledge and ending on the witchiest of all notes, which is Phoenix rising from the ashes. Oh, I, Gang, I, I mean, I think you remember this, Cheyenne. I was, I, I've always been super into this stuff. As, as a kid, I was, it terrified me. Like I remember vampires and witches and ghosts. Like it absolutely terrified me. But like I was this weird masochist that couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I and I, I, it's still that way. So seriously, you two are lovely. Like you, it was so awesome to get to connect with you, Cheyenne. Please, like both of you stay in touch. I'm going to try and stay in touch because you're, you're magical. Oh, best compliment ever. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to cry. Right, man. <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue into our Perwitchin clip for tonight so that we can honor a little bit of yes. Perwitchin magic. <sighs> Give it to him. All right. So in the spirit of vulnerability. I think it only makes sense after tonight's conversation to um, have our perwitchin slip be that it's okay to be vulnerable. We give you the perwitchin to find that within yourself and to explore maybe the not so fun parts, but also see the beautiful parts and how you can contribute back to your community and how how you can dig deep into, into your soul and figure out what, what that power is. What's your Phoenix? What's your fire? And how can you start building that within yourself? So we give you the perwitchin to be vulnerable and be okay with that. Yes. Oh, cheers. cheers. Thank you so much, gang. Cheers. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm eat algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. Cheers.